0: I'm so glad you're with us today. I want to share with you a message uh, to give us a little perspective as we move into this new year of uncertainty, 2021. Uh, 2020 was a a year for the books, and I'm glad it's behind us. There's much to be thankful for during that time. But this new year proposes some new challenges and some new uh, challenges. new experiences, needless to say, that many of us will face. And, you know, as it relates to other human beings that we know and and think about and look at and decisions they make and may be very different than what we're used to or what is part of our value system, we need to have a little perspective. And it is uh, God's perspective in saying that everybody lives somewhere forever everybody lives somewhere forever. And when you look at someone else, you need to realize that's a forever person. And they're going to live somewhere forever. And this is really, truly according to the Scripture. So, if you have a copy of God's Word, I want to invite you to turn to Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9, verses 27 through 28. We're going to be discussing everybody lives somewhere forever. It says in verse 27, And as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this the judgment, so Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many to those who eagerly wait for Him, He will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. People truly want to know what happens when people die. This is, a, this is a generations, millennia. Have gone by. People want to know what happens when people die. All of us are headed, you know, in a direction. Are you know on, on this earth? We're all headed in the same direction. That's the grave. Uh, we're all going to end up probably in the same place, a, a crossroads of sort that we're just going to call death. And uh, by way of introduction, I want to speak about the subject of death before I exposit the Scripture. Death is the Greek word thanatos, and uh, it basically means separation. You need to understand this uh, as we go forward. It means separation. All that I'm going to show you today deals with this concept of separation. Uh, It never means extinction. It doesn't mean annihilation or non-existence or inactivity. Uh, Death is the separation of a person from the purpose or the use for which he or she was intended. That's the definition of Thanatos. And the Bible speaks of three different kinds of death. It speaks of physical death, which is the separation of man's spirit or life from his body. Uh, That is what men commonly call death. It's what we're familiar with. It's when a person ceases to exist on this earth and is buried. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 21 through 22 says, For since by men came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ so shall all live, be made alive. So you have physical death, which is the separation of the man's spirit or life from the body. Then you have spiritual death, which is the separation of man's spirit from God while he is still living and walking upon the earth. So literally these are, uh, this is is man's natural state on earth without Christ. And uh, his spirit is separated from God. It's not separated from him, but it's separated from God. So he is in a state of spiritual death. In his natural state, and uh, man is seen to still be in sin and dead to God, according to the Scripture. Ephesians 2:1 says, "And he and you, he hath quickened who were dead and trespasses in trespasses and sin." Ephesians 4:18, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart." Or 1 John 5:12, which says, "...he that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life." And so, spiritual death speaks of a person who is dead while he still lives. First uh, Timothy 5, verse 6 says, But she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. He is a natural man living in this present world, but he is said to be dead to the Lord Jesus Christ and to God and to all spiritual matters. So he's dead. But so who is this person? Who is this person that is spiritually dead? We know who the living are because we're alive. We have not suffered... Physical death, but who are those that that are suffering spiritual death? Who are those truly still in their natural state, or what we would call, what the Bible would call, a lost state? Um, Well, I have uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine descriptors from Scripture of a person in this in this state, this natural state of spiritual death. It's a person who wastes his life in riotous living. That's a person that's known as spiritually dead. Luke 15.32 says, It was meet that we should make merry and be glad, for this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is now found. A person who has not partaken of Christ is spiritually dead. That's number two. John 5.36 And Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. Letter C, or number 3, a person who does not have the Spirit of Christ is said to be spiritually dead in Romans 8 verse 9 that says that you are not in this flesh, but in the Spirit. And if in the Spirit God dwells in you, now if a man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of this, he's separated from God, he's dead. A person who lives in sin is said to be spiritually dead. Number four, in Ephesians 2.1, as we've read earlier, you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. And Paul goes on to say in Colossians 2.13, and you being dead in your sin and uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him having forgiven you all their trespasses. Number five, a person who is alienated from God is said to be spiritually dead. That's Ephesians 4.18 and 19. As we read earlier, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life that is in God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness that is in their hearts, who being past feeling have given themselves unto lasciviousness, to the work of all uncleanliness with greediness. The next one is a person who sleeps in sin is spiritually dead. Ephesians 5.14 says, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepeth, and arise from the dead, for Christ shall give you light. Uh, the next one, a person who lives in sinful pleasure is dead while he lives. First Timothy five six. But he that liveth in pleasure is dead while he still liveth. See, we've, we're saying it again. Letter H, or the next one, number eight. A person who does not have the Son of God is dead spiritually. First John five twelve. It says, He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son hath not life. And last of all, a person who does not who does great religious work but does the wrong work is dead is spiritually dead as it says in Revelation 3.1, and under the angel of the church at Sardis write these things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars I know thy works that thou hast a name that it, that thou livest and art dead, so he speaks to a church that uh, you know they they they're called a church they've got all the religious. Uh, uh, trappings of one, and, and God, Jesus Christ in Revelation is saying you're dead. You're dead. And so that's spiritual death. And then there's the last one. We've got physical death, which is a separation of man's spirit from his body. We have spiritual death where man's spirit is separated from God. And then there's eternal death. Eternal death is a third type of death this Greek word thanatos speaks of, and it is a separation of man from God's presence forever. So it's not just the separation of the man's spirit from God, it's a separation of the whole being, body, soul, and spirit separated from God completely for eternity. Uh, this is known as the second death. It's known as the second death, an eternal state of being. So if you think of physical death, I'm physically present. When I'm dead, I'm not physically present. When I'm spiritually dead, I'm physically present, but my spirit is not present with the Lord. When I'm physically dead, and having suffered eternal death, I am not physically present, nor am I spiritually present from, the, from, from God. I am absolutely cast out of His sight. I am completely separated from Him. We have another word for that, it's called hell. To be completely separated and, and all of the attributes that makes me who I am to be separated from God eternally. Never to be seen, heard from, remembered again. Totally separated from God. 1 Corinthians 6 verses 9 and 10 says, Know you not that unrighteousness shall not inherit the Kingdom of God? But not, be not deceived, neither fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, the effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor rivalers, I'm sorry, revilers nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God and who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. That's 2 Thessalonians 1.9. It is spiritual death, the separation from God that is prolonged beyond the death of the body and therefore it is the second death or the eternal death. As Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God's eternal life through Christ Jesus. Romans 8.6 says, for to be carnally minded is de- carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is of life and peace. And so our passage today says, and as it is appointed for men to die once, after this the judgment. So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many, To those who eagerly wait for Him, He will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation." So we've discussed the meaning of death. We should be completely clear as to what death is all about. Physical death, spiritual death, and eternal death. Now the passage tells us that Jesus Christ bore the death and judgment of many. And so we have four significant points now to exposit from the text that's in front of us. Number one is that man dies once. Remember, we're talking about everybody lives somewhere forever. Well, number one, man dies once. As it says in verse 27, and as it is appointed for men to die once. Man dies, apothenane, and he dies only once only once. There is no second chance. He's not going to die a second time. He dies one time. He dies. Once he's physically dead, he's dead. There's no second chance. This is between the death of men by the decretory sentence of God, and the offering of Christ by God's appointment. The word appointed where it says right here, is it's appointed unto men once to die, it means the penal appointment being the sentence and the curse of of, bro, of the broken law in Genesis 2.17 that says, But the tree of knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in that day that you eat thereof, you shall surely die. So God decreed, He appointed this time for man to die. Death is not the result of chance. It is the appointment that is set for all men. In fact, Acts 17.31 says this, because He has appointed a day in which He will judge the world in righteousness by by that man whom he hath ordained. In fact Job even tells us our days are numbered of which you cannot go past. So death does not make an end of a man but is subservient to something else. I want you to remember that. Death doesn't make an end of man, it is subservient to something else. And it is simply uh, this, it is subservient to the judgment of God. To the judgment of God. This is the emphasis of once. Uh, Hapax here, man has only one chance to be forgiven, saved and redeemed. Only one chance, only one. And Man only has one chance to become acceptable to God and receive the inheritance of the promise that is eternal life, only one chance. And because Jesus died once upon the earth as man for men, Therefore there will never again be a chance to be covered by His sacrifice other than in this world and in this life while you live. Ecclesiastes 8 verse 8 says, There is no man that hath the power over the Spirit to retain the Spirit, neither hath he the power in the day of death, and there is no discharge in that war, neither shall wickedness deliver those that are given to it. There is a day appointed unto men to die, and you can go out kicking and screaming, but you're still going to go out. It's still going to happen. So man dies once. Man dies once. It's appointed. I don't know about you, but I'm glad for that. I'm glad I'm only going to die once. I would hate to have to go through it again, Uh, physical death and... uh, being a minister and being around people in this time of death and at the time of the preaching of this mission, message. very two dear friends that are suffering the loss of loved ones that are members of our church. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm so grateful that for them, they will never after have to taste this death again. It's over. And I'm so grateful they were prepared for their life after their physical death. But it tells us what happens immediately after death. Number one, man dies once. Number two, man dies, then comes the judgment. Then comes the judgment. But after this judgment, salvation. This is a fact. He has sinned and cursed God. He has ignored and neglected God. He has rebelled against and rejected God. That is our natural state as men. And this is the tragedy of tragedies. We just live like we want, go our own way and do our own thing instead of living like God says. And this verse tells us clearly as it can be stated, it is appointed unto, appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. This is set in stone. And the Bible says in Isaiah 53 verse 6, And all we like sheep have gone astray, each one to his own way, but God has laid the iniquity of us all upon Him. And Once we die, we shall be judged, we shall be separated, and we will be cut off from God forever and never allowed to enter God's presence again if we die in our natural state. We shall be forbidden to enter heaven we will be cast in the place that is the very opposite of heaven. We call it hell. It's the place of total separation from God and judgment follows death. We shall be judged and the separation from God is immediately, immediate upon death to be separated from Him forever as Jesus said in the Olivet Discourse in Matthew chapter 25 31 and 32 when the Son of Man shall come in His glory and all the holy angels with Him then shall He sit upon His throne of His glory and before Him shall be gathered all the nations, and He shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divides the sheep from the goat." So not only that is it, is, it, does man die once, but after he dies he's appointed the judgment. But the text tells us a, cert, a third thing. Number three, Christ died once for and for all, and has taken our sin upon Himself. Those whom God has called to believe, those who are in Christ, the Scripture said to those in Christ, So notice what it says in verse 28. It says, So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. Christ was appointed and sentenced by God, the judge of all, to undergo the curse of the law, and on behalf and instead of those whom He represented. And because of this glorious news, Christ was once offered to bear the sins and judgment of many. Christ has taken our sins upon Himself, he has sacrificed Himself for our sins, and He has borne the judgment of us all. We no longer have to bear the judgment for our sin and imperfections if, and that's a big if, if we believe. Truly trust Christ to bear our sin judgment and judgment. Then God counts our sin as having been born of Christ. You've got to truly believe. You've got to truly believe. A person has to believe and to trust. And the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And, and dear friend, I'm, I'm not speaking about a mental ascent here, where you know, I, I know that George Washington was the first president of the country, or Abraham Lincoln freed the slaves, or Napoleon tried to you know, conquer the world, or, or the fact that Alexander the Great did before him. Um, you know, I, I'm not talking about an intellectual ascent. This is something that is at the core of the person is this uh, this concept of belief and that He did it for me regardless of what I find myself in doing. He did it for me. He died for me and this is only reasonable. If a person does not believe in something, he does not allow it to work for him. But if he does believe, he allows it to work for him. I got in my truck this morning to drive up here. I knew when I turned the key to start it, it would start. I believed it would. It started. And because I believed it would start, I got into my truck to drive up here this morning. I sat down in this stool. Uh, before I knew it would hold me up or else I wouldn't have sat down in it. I mean, I just, I just knew. Uh, so belief causes action. But if, if I don't believe something and I don't believe it will work for me, then I won't do it. For he hath not made him to sin, sin for us, who knew no sin, that he might be made the very righteousness of God. That's, that's my favorite verse, just in case you wanted to know. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be the righteousness of God, who gave himself for our sins, that we might deliver that he might deliver us from the, this present evil wor- world according to the will of God and our Father. The first one was 2 Corinthians 5.22, this one's Galatians 1.4. says that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. That's Galatians 3.13. And last of all in Hebrews 2.9 it says, But we see Jesus, who is made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that that He by the grace of God should taste death for every man. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that just wonderful to know? And you look out at people, everybody or everybody lives somewhere forever. And you have a message to tell them. You have a message to tell them about Jesus. Call them to believe in Jesus. And you look at the news and you see all the news that we just don't like. All the things that are being decided for us and all the things that are being decided for those that cannot help themselves and the spending and, and the taxing and the the lying and the besmirching and all of the things that we see, the ungodliness. You know, you can maybe perhaps change your perspective and say, you know, everybody lives somewhere forever. And, you know, you're a light on the hill. You've been given the gospel. And the Bible says "If faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. It says the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. You have that gospel if you're a believer. Share it. There's no reason not to share it. We don't know who's going to believe it. But we know that God wants, we do believe God wants us all to share it. We should share that gospel. Jesus died to satisfy the justice of God. And now it is that justice is satisfied. Hallelujah. Because Jesus Christ appeared before God in heaven with the mark still in His hands and His feet and His side, with blood bearing the testimony of the redeemed. Because there is no forgiveness without the shedding of blood, the Bible says. And so the debt is paid, the account is settled, it is finished, as Jesus said on the cross. And this is a once and for all act. It cannot be repeated. But the weak believer, however, and I quote, the weak believer discovers the continuing reality of sin and to his alarm, with clawing fear, He contemplates a judgment he now is more keenly aware of than ever before. Over and over again, he seeks forgiveness out of the resources of his own capacity to believe and repent, a capacity that is limited and insufficient to the task. Whole lives are spent like this, seeking a conversion that will finally stick, seeking an experience that will do the job, seeking a passion that will cleanse them once and for all. If we were saved by our faith, it would not be once and for all because our faith, because of our faith, it's not reliable and permanent. We wax and we wane, sometimes weak and sometimes strong. Once and for all is not an expression used for us, for our faith or our repentance. You have not sinned the last time, neither have I. I'm not sorry to say that, Uh, it's just the truth. We have not sinned the last time. You and I have not experienced our last doubt, or shed our last tear for sin, or experienced our last failure. But the good news of the Gospel is this. You are not saved by your faith. You are saved by Christ. You're saved by Christ. What cannot be said about you can be said about Him. His death saves you, and that is once and for all. His entering to heaven ministers for you there and saves you, upholds your weak and wavering faith, and it is this this that is once and for all. What is not once and for all for you is once and for all for Him. Yes, we must receive Him by faith, but it's not upon our faith that salvation relies. It's our faith upon Him. No, it is Him alone of whom it can be said once and for all. Therefore... We need not seek forgiveness over and over again for our sin, for our natural state. But we may rest our hearts in Christ and get busy serving His cause in this world because He has saved us. We have a song to sing that only the redeemed can sing. Not even the angels can sing the song of the redeemed. And it is as that old gospel song, I am redeemed. I am redeemed. Number four, Christ is coming a second time to take only those looking for Him. Notice the text. To those who eagerly wait for Him, He will appear a second time. This is a great truth. Jesus Christ shall come to the earth a second time, and He shall come without sin and save those who look for Him. The Scripture says and the point is Jesus Christ will rent the skies above and return to the earth and save all those looking for him and the very ideal perf- of the ideal of perfection and righteousness he can cover us with himself he can make us perfect and righteous and he will if we just look to him and our other scriptures tell us what will happen and and it gives us some detail stated in the spectacular sight it will be the bodies of the dead believers will rise who died in Christ will rise, for looking for His return. They will be re- resurrected to meet Him in the sky. And the persons who are still living, it says, they shall be lifted off the earth and ascend to join Him in the sky. Listen to this, it's First Thessalonians 4, 16-18, For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words." What a comfort. What a comfort. There are five things that are included in this word regarding how we are to look for Him. We're to look for Him with steadfast faith in His return. That's John 14, 2-3. You're saying, how do I look for Him? With steadfast faith? In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would not have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again for you and receive you unto myself. And where I am, you may also be. Number two, we are to look for him as a, with a real love as stated in Second Timothy 4.8. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me in that day and, shall, and not to me only, but to all them who also love his appearing. Number three, we look for Him with an ardent longing for His return, as it says in Revelation 22, verse 10, He which testifies these things, surely I come quickly, even so, come Lord Jesus. Number four, we look to Him with a patient waiting, as James 5, 7 says, Be patient therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and hath long patience for it, until he receives the early and the latter rain. And number five, we look for Him with a personal preparation, as it says in 1 John 2, 28, And now little children abide in Him, that when He shall appear, we may have confidence, and be not ashamed of Him at, at His coming. We also need to notice the condition in which He returns. Notice what it says in verse 28, Apart from sin for salvation. Apart from sin for salvation. The King James says, without imputed sin unto salvation. means that Christ's second advent is a contrast from His first. When He appeared the first time it was with sin upon Him, as John 1.29 says, Behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sins of the world. That was, He came as the surety, the escrow for sinners. He was a man of sorrow and afflicted from His youth, as it says in Psalm 88 verse 15. He will reappear in a very different state. He won't come in a, if, with the smell of a stable. He won't come from parents that, that were poor. He won't come with sawdust on his hand from a carpenter shop. No, he will come in power. He will come as a conqueror of sin and Satan. He will come as the savior of his people. He will come as the king of kings and the lord of lords. And at his return, the efficacy of his once-for-all offering of his life will be openly manifested for all to see, and he will glorify his redeemed, as it says in Philippians 3:20 20 and21. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile bodies, that it may be fashioned like unto His glorious body, according to the working whereby He is able even to subdue all things unto Himself. Therefore we eagerly wait Christ's return to save us from this struggle. Oh, if He came right after this sermon was over, which it almost is, or just came right now, That'd be wonderful. But while we wait, we are secure. We are secure with Him forever. This is why we can sing about this struggle with such confidence and hope. You might recognize this. When darkness veils His lovely face, I rest on His unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Friend, everyone lives somewhere forever. And man only has one chance to secure his forever. Where will you live? Where will your neighbor live? What are you praying for? in regards to those whom you see and interact in this life. I think that as we start this new year, I know for me, part of it is going to be to have the perspective to not look so much at the faults in other people, but to look at the fact, look at for fruit. Not faults, but fruit. Spiritual fruit is the evidence of eternal life, the Scripture says. It bears witness to this And so I want to be a person that looks for people because they may need to hear this gospel. They may need to hear that everyone lives somewhere forever. And that includes you, and that includes me. Jesus said in John 3, 16 through 18, the most familiar passage probably, 16 is, but listen to the rest of it. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son in the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Verse 18, however, says, He that believes on Him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Again, everybody lives somewhere forever, and ahead of all of us is death. Physical death is in front of all of us. Those that are in their natural state are already spiritually dead, having never trusted Christ savingly for their eternal life, having never realized, having been called of God to believe, that never being actualized, they are in a state of spiritual death though they are living, they are the walking dead. And those that have passed on have suffered spiritual death that have passed on without Christ instead of eternal life with Jesus Christ. So I want you to remember something. Everybody lives somewhere forever and ahead of all of us is death. For sure, physical death at the very least. Though death is certain, let me just close with this, sin is not. Though death is certain, sin is not. You can live forever with God separated from sin, or you can live forever with sin separated from God. Judgment is inevitable. First, it's appointed unto all men to die, and then the judgment. Judgment is inevitable. But dear friend, sin is not. Sin is not. I want to thank you for joining us this morning. I pray that you have the happiest of new years. God bless you. We'll see you soon.